Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another October episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody, and thank you. I, I'm glad I'm a wonderful co-host. Yeah, I, so I good. try really hard. <laughs> <laughs> lots of uh, lots of chatting about uh, the sleeping puppy, and he he's still sleeping. Um, we had uh, uh, so yeah, sorry, Oscar's over there, but he won't be on stream. Um, we we took him to the vet the other day because he's got uh, some sneezes, and they're like, you should consider putting him on elderly dog food, and it about it about destroyed my wife to think of her dog as elderly, and I'm like, well, <laughs> and he's eleven. So he's he's up there, but they're mm -hmm. like, yeah, just for his kidney function and stuff, you might want to do this. And she came home. She's like, my dog's old. I'm like, well, yeah, but he's such a good boy. He's just a sleepy dog now. Uh, Felix is out, I don't know, watching butterflies and squirrels or something because that's what he does. Uh, this is a this is not about dogs and cats. This is a Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons talk show where we talk about all of the interesting things of D and D. I want to say thank you again to uh, A M Dunes. He gave us uh, two dollars in chat. That was very nice of you. Um, <laughs> We are uh, going to talk about all of the interesting D&D things that are going on in our life, in the news, and various what-have-yous. Uh, and I should have got these, but they're over there. Uh, Amazon had their sale, and I know mm -hmm. Amazon's like Amazon a big evil, e big evil corporation and, and things like that, but uh, I... I don't know how to follow that up other than I bought two books from Amazon, <laughs> but they're a big, evil, terrible Good. corporation. We shouldn't we shouldn't support them. Uh, but I specifically, they had to buy two books, get one free, and a lot of D&D books were on sale. And so I wasn't, I, I'm finally to the point where I'm, I told myself I'm not going to be able to play Waterdeep Dragon Heist. That was like a, oh. a fiction. I think I was going to be able to play it. Somebody might run it for me, but I don't think they're going to now. And I'm, I'm going to actually sit down and I'm going to read Waterdeep Dragon Heist and use it for my videos. Who knows? Maybe I can make an updated Waterdeep video. Nice. Um, and I also, so I bought that and then I bought Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Nice. And then I got a third book free and it was like, do I want Wildmount or do I want Theros? And I decided to get Theros. So those came in the mail a couple days ago and I've now, I think the only 5e book I'm missing is, is Wildmount. Okay. With those three, I think I have the whole... The whole collection. Oh no, I don't have Tyranny of Dragons or Horde of the Dragon Queen, or uh, I don't have a uh, Rise of Tiamat and Horde of the Dragon Queen. So I'm missing you can two do the slash three book because I could get the reprint. Yeah, I get the reprints. So oh, very cool. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, so that was exciting for me. And and yeah, uh, what other what other interesting things are coming out? WizKids is doing a new uh, line of minis. Have you seen these minis, Lucian? I have only seen a few pictures. I have not seen much yet, but I'm excited. Yeah, you're you're not. Uh, I mean, you play online a lot, but, a uh, but well, all, pretty much solely online, exclusively. For, yeah, exclusively online. But yeah, yeah. Um, but like, do you like minis? Do you collect them at all? Do you pick them up here and there? They were an obsession of mine. That if I'm not careful, I turn into somebody who buys them every single week. Oh, okay. Back in the day. So like I'd play Warhammer 40K or I'd play oh, yeah. Warhammer Fantasy and I would buy armies after armies after armies. I would buy the other games because I always was a person that didn't want to just play the most popular game of the genre, just like I yeah. didn't want to just be D&D. &D. So I went and found another game I could play like Warhammer or Cypher or something. But I did that with tabletop games, too. Um, I've got board games and board games that have lots of cool minis in them. I love. So I yeah. bought a bunch of those, like the one right behind me has a ton of minis and so I love them. I love when I'm in the phase of wanting to paint them. Our dungeon master, uh, Danimal, right now, he's painting a ton of his because he does that with his kids and, and himself. He likes doing all of those. Mm -hmm. So he's got his big, you know, he's kind of like Ted in that way where he's got his shelves set up and he's starting to paint all of them and then display them behind them. And yeah. Use them in his games and stuff. And so it's, it's a cool hobby if you have disposable income. Because it is something that can it's be expensive. a little yeah. pricey. <laughs> I, I, uh, so WizKid sent me, um, I don't know if you guys, well, some of you might have caught me, but I, I was, I did an impromptu stream Wednesday because we didn't play Rod of Seven Parts. And WizKid sent me a brick of Theros minis that we unboxed, uh, or I unboxed on, on Twitch with uh, followers. It was really fun. And I think I'm going to upload that to another channel here in a little bit. So if you guys, 
didn't catch it, uh, it'll be it'll be out there on the YouTubes at some point. It was fun. We just kind of I drank a lot of beer and we just <laughs> unboxed minis. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the quality of these minis are really good. And I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, I gotta figure out like a shelf system or or something. Like I don't know where to store these. Like before I had my, I don't know, maybe. 50 minis and then I would just be like okay this troll is actually a dragon and I just kind of would reuse things because that's what I had but now I'm like oh my gosh I actually have a dragon and I have all this other stuff so I should do something with it uh, I really specifically in this one there's this young red dragon mm -hmm. um, in the fang and talon set that looks really good that I, yeah. I'm like man I, I just really want that mini uh, and I saw this isn't in our notes but I saw in a like a future publication something i think it's january february 2021 they're gonna WizKids is gonna release a hand of vecna and eyeball of vecna prop nice. like uh, just a full and you put it on your shelf and i want it so bad because that's so cool <laughs> like but it's it like a hundred dollars yeah it's in a jar oh it's so cool yeah. <laughs> and i got my shirt on today my dia vecna die shirt oh so I want that, but anyway, man, it is it is a dangerous, expensive hobby, and it is a lot of fun. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Curse of Stride comes out this month. Uh, the revamped. Are, are you right in time for Halloweenish? So if you want to run some of those Halloween games, I think it's coming pretty quick. I think it's before Halloween, but yeah, I think it's the twenty sixth or something. Yeah, I think we mentioned that before. Yeah, Monday, Monday or Tuesday, or maybe it's the twentieth. It might be next week. I don't know. And then we get Tasha's next month, yeah. so November, November 17th. release. So that'll be nice. That'll be, I'm betting that's going to be one of their most popular books. Oh, sales of course, book. yeah, one hundred percent. Are you, yeah. are you uh, using, um, or sorry, have you pre-ordered Tasha's at your game store? Are you getting the alternate cover? Um, I still barely go out of my house at this point. <laughs> All of you can guess why at this point. Um, so I have not went down to my game store to, to order the new one. I may be doing an Amazon buy on that one. Um, I don't know. Have they said you could still go into your store and that's the only way you can get it? Or have they changed their rule because of COVID? Um, I think the alternate cover is, is just still going to stores, brick and but mortar like usually mortar. brick and mortar store, like mine specifically has COVID rules. So yeah. you can order on the, or through their website or whatever, and then they'll hold it for you and you can come up and they'll walk out to your car and drop it off and make the exchange there and stuff. So, yeah. And probably, if you're like me, they have your credit card on file. Oh, yeah. So they're just <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I've of course. Well, they're probably like think I'm dead at this point because I haven't been there since lockdown. So I feel bad. But, you know, it's dangerous out there. So you be careful. It's dangerous. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I do. I will get um, alternate cover. looks really good on Tasha's. Does, it I won't really want match that the other books as far as the spine. Yeah. You know how you get the red and the black spine for the normal. But um, I liked my Mordekainen's alternate cover. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I love all those hydro covers and stuff. Yeah. Eventually, I think I'm going to go back and get a bunch of those also at some point. So maybe in the future, I'll own both versions of each as I just mm -hmm. slowly buy them and they're not putting them out anymore and just pick up the, the normal ones. Not that I need it right now, but maybe like next yeah. year's sale or something from Amazon grab you know, like you did some of those older books. Yeah. Apparently the, the Volos, uh, alternate mm -hmm. cover, um, that was the first one they made that had an alternate cover, I should say. And, uh, not a lot of people really thought about getting them. And, and then it was like, Oh, you're, you're making more. And so I think, uh, I heard, I haven't actually checked, but I heard on eBay, they're going for seven to $800. Those wow. alternate Volo covers, uh, because, now people are like, oh, I, I'm getting the alternate covers as it comes out, but like I missed the first one right? because I wasn't into the hobby or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, wow. And I, I don't know. I had no idea that it was uh, it was so expensive, but there you go. Apparently it I is. could see that. I, I could, could too, definitely yeah. see that. Um, there is a uh, con convention going on that I am a part of. Uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics Bride of Cyclops Con is going on right now. If you go to Goodman Games on their Twitch channel, don't do it now, you're watching our show. But if you are in the future, you can go to Goodman Games. On your other monitor. Um, on your other monitor, your other earbud. Um, they are streaming uh, just a 
a bunch of conversations about old school role playing and things like that, but they also have a whole bunch of games mapped out. And I am going to be playing a wizard in uh, a Dungeon Crawl Classics game tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Because that was the time slot that worked for me. <laughs> uh, so from 7 to 11 a.m. tomorrow, I'm going to play uh, a game. And I'm really excited. I have yeah. never played in a DCC game. I've only ran it. And so I'm very, I'm very excited for this. And from our chat, Danimal said he just took a drink because the Saturday morning D&D show that, drinking contest has when Jordan brings up DCC. That is the game. <laughs> that is the game. Or if you're playing bingo, yeah. if you've got our bingo cards out there. Yeah. and uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, that is a good point, Danimal. We we still don't have uh, Taco on D&D Beyond, Tasha's yeah. Cauldron of Everything. Um, and I don't know. It feels like there's something... I don't know if they're just like not talking to their partners anymore or like, I'm like, is D and D is wizards of the coast just going to drop a new, uh, digital service and hypothetically make us all very angry that have invested lots of money into, <laughs> well, God. now you can play D and D up until Tasha's cauldron of everything on D and D beyond. Like I'm going to be really upset, but I, can't I don't know imagine. if that's actually happening or if they're just not talking. So we'll, we'll, ju we just have to wait and see. Cause that would be, that would be a blow up. Like, cause they're pretty tight with D and D beyond, but let's say the money makes sense and they're going to create their own platform. Yeah. At some point they have to break that relationship and say, guess what guys we're making our own platform. Right. Wow. Um, but just like, I mean, we could pre-order Icewind Dale for months and there was mm -hmm. like, uh, the fake, I say fake, sorry, the digital dice that you could get with it and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I'm just looking around. What, why, why isn't Tasha's there? But. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Who knows? Um, crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Uh, so anyway, next week we're going to have to talk about Ride of Cyclops Gone and my my game. Definitely. I'm, oh, I'm so excited. Because uh, normally you're just a farmer in DCC. Yeah. You're just like now I'm level level two. Catcher. I think I'm a level two wizard. Level one, level two, wow. something like that. I didn't even know it's DCC into that. <laughs> it, it goes up in levels? What? <laughs> this game just got so much better. It's not just uh, funnels. The uh, the amazing um, Judge James is going to be running that. So we love excited. James here at the show. Yeah, he he's one of my. I mean, he is he's probably my DCC content creator. Like I I follow yeah. him and I listen to his podcast and a bunch of other stuff. I like James a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. And he ran a Numenera game for me. That's how I got introduced to him. And he's a really good yep. DM. So I I'm a, I don't know. It's it. The email I got was like, it's going to be a very casual game. We're just going to play some roll some dice honor system like. It's going to be fun. Zoom call. And so, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My introduction to it was him was I started watching um, a couple of D&D uh, &D shows on Twitch. So it, it me JP and mm -hmm. Adam Coble and then and, um, Critical Role, obviously the very beginning of Critical Role. And I started thinking those ones and I started thinking, you know what? I can't find a group to play in or I was trying to find a group to play in. So I started looking around and looking around. I couldn't find anything. And then I found out about um, Numenera because I was mm -hmm. just looking at what RPGs are out right now yeah. at that time. And he was a huge Five Numenera years. person. He before, was making tons of yeah. content. So I Before uh, uh, DCC, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I sent him an email and said, hey, I got a small little YouTube channel and I'd love to play a game with you online. And he's like, yeah, sure, let's do something. So I got to play in a couple of games with him. And after that, I used my experiences playing with him to go ahead and run my first game ever streamed, which was a Numenera game for a couple of my friends, even before I, I streamed a D&D &D game or DM'd a game. The very first thing I did was a Numenera game and it was based off of the getting to play with um, James. So he's, he's like one of my favorite guys right now as far as in the RPG world because he's just mm -hmm. a good guy. And I love playing. His games are kooky and fun and he's excited and his energy kind of gets the whole table's energy going and he, he lets you do crazy stuff and it's just, it's just a good time. So yeah, it's going to be super He's fun. a great content creator too. So, um, people in chat inquiring minds want to know, uh, what yeah. is the box behind you? Which what one? Is this, what is this spectaculars box oh, that, that everyone that is, that is so prominently game. displayed? Tabletop role-playing game of comic book heroes. Um, what's cool about that one is we've talked about it in a previous show, but it's like an, they did their character sheets, like ad lib character sheets, and they've got some really cool different mechanics in there, um, to play a superhero role-playing game. Oh, cool. I just showed out there. It was a Kickstarter from last year. 
Um, the big box has lots of stuff in it and um, there's little comic books for adventures and there's, you can do ad lib adventure creation where they create like the villain named and you get to write it in and do this and this, and you can create mm-hmm. your whole campaign based on that. So they, they kind of dive into that like um, pad of paper, ad lib style, scratch sheet, scratch pad kind of mechanic and bring it into a role-playing game, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. So That's awesome. thought I'd put something else out there to, for us to look at. We can see uh, Matt Colville's book up there. And then I, oh, we were, t- I was talking about that with some friends that uh, the, the second Colville book. Yeah. Um, I'm like, that should be finishing up soonish. I'm at least a PDF. They're still working on it. Yeah. Like they are still working on it, but like, I, f- I feel like a PDF should be out at some point soon, but mm-hmm. very excited for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Add it to your game. Yeah. Sage advice. What's going on there? Yeah. So if you, I thought it was really good. Jeremy Crawford kind of dived in. You can go over to the D and D channel cause they put up a couple of videos uh, this week, like last couple of weeks, they've done a several, but this week they had just the two. I thought the only one that would probably be relevant for us is the sage advice. And it was about custom origins that is coming with taco. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that name. No, that's we're sticking <laughs> with it. <laughs> we're making taco, taco a thing. and uh he goes into how they've changed it why they've changed it um the reason they were able to change it because um the the stat increases weren't necessarily um balance mechanics but that it was kind of like 50 50 so a character gets a stat bonus is a balancing mechanic so if um, whatever character you choose, they get a plus two to something and a plus one to something. Yeah. That's a very specific reason why they chose that. If if it's a character that only gets plus two to something and nothing else, there's a, there's a reason they chose that. If they right. chose plus two, plus two, like the Mountain Dwarf, there's a reason balancing-wise why they did that. Um, but what they, what they said isn't part of the balancing part is that what stat you choose to put the bonus on. That's the part that doesn't have anything to do with it. It doesn't matter if you put your plus two, plus two on strength and con or plus two, plus two on charisma and wisdom. That part didn't matter where you put it. It's that you got the bonus based on helping that balance that class with the other abilities that they might get. And the reason they might have lower ability scores or not as many might be because they're getting a spell to start off with or they're getting some special ability that offsets that. So, the, so there's a balancing mechanic there. So what they're saying in Tasha's is that they're removing the forcing you where to take the bonus. So basically you can rearrange the bonus. So if I take Mountain Dwarf, they get a plus two, plus two, and I use Tasha's rules and my DM agrees with that, then I can put that plus two anywhere. I can't stack them, but I can move them anywhere I want. I don't have yeah. to put them where they So I got plus two wisdom and charisma. Right. You can put it anywhere you want. So, and if you get a plus two, plus one with an elf, or you get a plus one, plus one with something else, you know, or just a plus two. So you're not adding more in, you're not um, combining them to make them bigger, but you're getting the chance to put them on any stat that you want. So that's the piece that they're changing. And then he talks about why it was the way they did it, a little bit of the history and talking about it. Why did, why were elves and dwarves even different? He goes into the mythology of it a little bit and he's very smart. He's a very well-read, you can tell, I'm sure a lot of his college was based on studying mythology and storytelling and stuff like that. Cause he gets into it and I was just like, oh, this is kind of very geeky, but fun. Yeah. Uh, talking about what dwarves are, what they represent, that they, dwarves and elves in mythology represented different parts of the human psyche and they were they were the you know a way for us to interact with that in a story and so he was talking about but in dungeons and dragons you get to walk up and meet those so they have to be a little more fleshed out they're not just a a manifestation of gracefulness or a manifestation of hardiness or a manifestation of evil like if you jump run into a demon in a story or something Mm. These things have to have a little bit more to them. So that's where he, he goes off onto that. So I thought that was a really cool talk. He's super smart whenever I, I listen to him. So I enjoy listening to Jeremy Crawford. Mm. And it's just another cool item that gives us more custom ability. If you want your elf, he thought, you know, you want to make a clumsy elf that's really charismatic. Well, you can do that. You can put your plus two in charisma instead of, you know. And I think that's a good thing because I know me and you, when we've done some of our character creation stuff, like we've done our our fun builds where we're just thinking of a concept and we're trying to build it in 
Dungeons and Dragons, like you did your Iron Man build or I wanted to do a Black Panther build or whatever. We started looking around to get the bonuses in the right stat that we needed them in. And we tried to make that race kind of work with that so that we got the stat that we needed and then we could get the abilities that we would need to build that kind of concept. I like this idea that we have one more way, another way for us to not be so pigeonholed when we come up with these builds, right? So we can really expand out and I can use any race. I can use any race that gets a plus two, plus one for something. And now that can be part of any class build that I'm doing at this point. So, yeah, I still, Um, I, I like this idea and it's going to change everything. It's going to be a lot of fun to create all these new builds and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of want the, I also hope that we get the ability and maybe this is just something I need to talk to like a future DM about where I can change my like spell casting ability. So if I want to be a warlock that uses intelligence instead of charisma, that would be a lot mm -hmm. of fun. Cause uh, especially, well, there's certain, I don't know. I have like a couple warlock builds in my head where I'm like, I really want to use this or uh, I don't know, even a druid that uses charisma or something, but uh, we'll see that might, that might be broken or weird. I don't know. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that one's out there. You can go check that out on the Dungeons and Dragons um, uh, YouTube page. They also had a dragon talk um, with a New York times reporter. I think she wrote an article on Dungeons and Dragons at one point. So I think they had her on and talked about it um, a little bit about her, which is cool. But that was about it for um, videos that they put out. They didn't do a lot this week. I didn't see any new articles, so we didn't see anything. We haven't seen any new UA stuff in a while because I think well, it's all getting yeah. dumped into Tasha's. So it's all done. Yeah. They're, well, they're, what are we going to see next? Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, yeah, so yeah, we won't point. get UA for a while, I feel, after yeah. Tasha's. But if we do get Tasha's in November, I'm hoping we start to see hints of what's coming after that. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the first book of next year? Because we probably won't get one in December but maybe in that January, February area where they get that first book out, mm-hmm. we'll have to see what they're going to do. February, so cool. March, I think. Yeah. There might yeah, be somewhere in there. That first book of the year comes out. Yeah. 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 Uh, spell jammer. Let's just all hope. Yeah. Crossing fingers. <laughs> spell jammer. <laughs> uh, what other things are going on? Oh, uh, Apparently it's something. <laughs> it's birthday month for uh, your pal Jordan. Um, And next Saturday is my birthday. So we're gonna have a special Saturday morning birthday D&D show. Um, Should be a lot of fun. And then- Bring cake. Bring cake, please. Uh, Cake, cake, uh, but enough for the whole class, not just you. (laughs) Danimal, looking right at you. Don't just bring cake (laughs) for you. Um, That's right. So yeah, that'll be fun. We don't really have anything planned other than I think I'm going to do maybe a Q&A on my YouTube channel on Friday night. So if you guys are interested uh, Friday night and you want to hang out, keep that open, I guess. And, and Q&A I'll, uh, or yeah. an AMA? Uh, I, either. What? Oh. I don't know. Is there, there a difference? Well, Q&A is just questions and answers, but AMA is ask me anything. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Talk to whatever. <laughs> I'll, yeah. If I don't want to answer, I'll just be like, no, you can ask me, but I'm not going to answer. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. We might unbox some more minis or something or just hang out. But anyway, I think, uh, I just want to like hang out with, uh, some fans and do stuff like that. Should be fun. Um, I've been buying a lot of stuff lately. I really should. Apparently where's all this, uh, funds coming from for journey? Uh, well, yeah, well, some of it's donated and, and other stuff, (laughs) but, uh, um, I found out you could get the, the rules cyclopedia printed on drive through RPG for only like $28. That's good. And so I was like, I kind of want to buy that. Now, the Rules Cyclopedia is the original basic expert and something else rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the other one. Um, but it's like original, original D&D before advanced D&D and before right. second edition advanced D&D. Yeah, OD&D. <laughs> yeah, original. so original D&D. And uh, they took all of the rules and they bound it in a uh, this book called the Rules Cyclopedia, and they printed it in I think eighty nine or 90, 1990, uh, mm-hmm. as just a final farewell to we're never going to use these again. Kind yeah, of yeah. Thing. But here's a whole like, book. Of, yeah, eighty and D is the future. This is what people are playing. But if you want to have this uh, anyway, so I w- I'm curious about game design and I'm curious about mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff. So basic expert companion master of mortals. Thank you, Victor. Um, <laughs> So I, I grabbed that, uh, and this has basic expert companion master and a little bit of immortals, but not the whole thing. But it's really cool to see where 
Dungeons and Dragons came from and to see what the original concept of the game was. And so you have uh, the book right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's upstairs. Well, how good I, is I should the have printing? it next year so I can show it yeah, to you. Yeah, I was going to say, upstairs. how good the printing and how good um, is the, the binding and stuff? Because I haven't bought too many physical yeah, books from So it's, it, it's print-on-demand, so it's not the best. Like, if you're oh, okay. going to use this every day to flip through stuff, it's probably mm-hmm. going to get worn out. Did come with a free PDF. The PDF okay. scan is... I'm going to say like 80%, like it's not perfect, but it's like, I don't know, okay. that's what they had. It's pretty okay. Um, it's readable and it's it's whatever. Um, and if the book falls apart, I have the PDF that I can print again if I wanted to kind of a thing. But uh, I like having a physical book that I can kind of flip through. So uh, that's been fun. And I've been reading it and it's just kind of interesting. Uh, just old fun art and I don't know the idea of it. And so you could be like a, a cleric, a magic user instead of like wizard and stuff. Uh, they introduced the druid class, but I didn't realize this playing original D&D, you had to be a cleric of nature for like seven or 10 levels before you could then become a druid. And I was like, that's interesting. So the idea, and like no bards and stuff, but like bards and rogues. Yeah, elf was a class, dwarf dwarf was a class, (laughs) yeah. So it's, it's kind of fun. And I've been trying to wrap my head around Thacko for not only that, but also I've been reviewing or doing Spelljammer stuff and Spelljammer's all AD&D. So I'm like, Thacko is just convoluted in my head. It just doesn't make sense. The more I try to read it, I'm like, what? Um, So I thought that was fun. It's been a fun read so far. I'm enjoying it. Uh, And I think there is, Lex said this when he was on the show, on Saturday Morning D&D show, but like there's a lot of value in understanding where the original design principles came from. And mm-hmm. I think that's the whole OSR movement. You know, we got the, the because of uh, 3.5 and 3.0 D&D, Wizards of the Coast, and the open gaming license that they created, a lot of people were like, wow, I can take these really complex rules for D&D and I can kind of dumb them down. That's not the best way to put it, but like simplify them so that we can play how original D&D was played, where it was just, this is a dungeon crawl. And like, you would the concept of like spending gold for XP and things like that. Uh, it, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. I love everyone's coming up with uh, Thacko. So the, the idea, the idea is that uh, we, we dropped the word Thacko and somebody said, you know, Tasha's cauldron of everything shouldn't be taco. They should have named Tasha's cauldron of everything to have an so H in it. Thacko, so it could match Thacko. And so now everyone's coming up with interesting, we have like Tasha's holographic <laughs> advice containing omni, omni science. Yes. <laughs> And so this is really just funny, yeah. Uh, the house Alex Conan open. Anyway, people right. are just coming up with really interesting, <laughs> funny things. So good job, chat. Way to be funny. Good job. Uh, so that that's been cool. Have you played original D and D like that? I mean, this could be something we could do on the show. Like we could have Jordan and Lucian learn Heck basic D and D. Wouldn't That'd that be, be super cool? Yeah. Yeah, I have watched a stream of it when Adam Koba sent his party through original D&D just to show kind of the difference of the rules. And it mm-hmm. was super cool. But I had always played Redbox set was the very first I had played. And from then on, I knew the systems. Yeah. Um, and I skipped over fourth. So I'm still into this. I want to, I would love to go back and play ODD adventure campaign small but fun i still want to play a fourth just to get my hands on fourth i still haven't done that yet um what's his name uh puffin forest you know Mm -hmm. that youtuber yeah um you should go check out his channel he did a video where he got a bunch of his friends i think like dingo doodles and uh the the guy that does the animated spell book uh z i think he goes by um anyway he got a bunch of his friends and they played fourth edition because he really liked fourth edition. And they're, yeah. the, we're, watching the whole game is is okay. I didn't watch the whole game. I just watched a snippet of it. But they have a conversation at the end for like the last 45 minutes of like, what do you think of this? And everyone's just kind of like, this is so complicated. Like <laughs> you have like levels and bonuses and then all this other stuff. And it's from a tactical perspective, it's really cool. But yeah, they all had a really good opinion where they were like, it just doesn't feel like D&D which I think uh, was the problem that everybody else had uh, with fourth edition. So. I, I'm sure I'll probably agree with them too, but I want to experience it. Like yeah. I want to have, I want no, to be yeah. able to say I have my own, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it would be good for you to watch, but, but yeah, I agree. I, want, I do want to watch it. I was trying to get, I want to get Lex to run me through a original D&D or a D&D, maybe both. 
And then I wanted to get Ted from Nerd Immersion to run me through 3.5 because I never played that. Mm, and then I want to run fourth edition for people yes. so we can kind of like have an experience of like going through the editions of D&D. I thought that would be This fun. should happen. So, this should happen. <laughs> and then we can... You, Make yeah, it so. You're invited. It's going to be great. Make it so. Number two. Make it so. <laughs> I love it. Love Star Trek. <laughs> love Star Trek. Um... There is a Threshold Session Zero by Mr. Keith Baker. He's running a... I don't, did you read this? I kind of skimmed it. I know you sent it to me. I but. just started it. My plan was to read it today after our show because I wanted... Um, it is Threshold Session Zero. Keith Baker is showing how he does a Session Zero with the campaign, how he does his campaign um, prep, and he's getting prepared, and it's going to be online. Yeah. The campaign that play. So I thought this would be an interesting way... You've seen Jordan do campaign prep. You've listened to Lucian's campaign prep videos, or we've talked about it on the show. Um, we've brought other people on that talked about their campaign preps and how they do it. But Keith Baker's is a pretty, pretty big figure in our tabletop hobby. So I thought, well, this is a cool way for us to find out how Keith does it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a great article out there. I saw it on Twitter and then we'll, mm. we'll post a link on the video, but it's called threshold session zero. It's over on the Keith Baker website and it's his version of what does campaign prep look like? Um, what is he thinking about? What is he preparing? What is yeah. he doing? How is he going to run a session zero with his players? How is he going to talk to his players about what's going to go on? What does session zero even mean to him? You know, everybody can have their own definition of what that means. Is it a conversation? Is it a set of emails? Is it an actual session? You know, lots of people do it lots of different ways. So I thought that'd be yeah. interesting to bring up. And so threshold is a is a, a an area in Eberron. Yeah. Um, and that's also the name of this campaign, but he's, so he's running an online Eberron game with some of his patrons, but he's kind of like documenting the process, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I do like that. And, and specifically like, how do you run a really cool Eberron game? Like it's mm -hmm. kind of cool. So yeah. And I was hoping that maybe it's also an area he hasn't fleshed out as much. So it's like, I have this area called threshold. I've had some ideas, mm -hmm. but now that I'm going to run a campaign into it, I have to think about it a little more. I'm hoping it's like that. I don't know if, th if threshold's been already fine tuned or if he's already mm -hmm. really got a big, in his mind, I assume he has, he, he seems to be somebody of detail to me. So oh, maybe yeah. he has ideas of what's going to happen there, but, or it could just be a, a place that's been set aside that says, Hey, this exists. I put it out there. It has a one liner to it, but I never really thought too much more of it. And now we're going to get to see a campaign that happens there. So that'd be interesting too. Yeah. So once I read the article, I'll have a little bit more information about, I'll probably talk about it next week too, a little bit, because I want to read it after the show, but. That is a cool it was out there. I know uh, the other thing I threw on the notes, I see you skipped over right away. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> is I wanted, I had some questions about a Cobalt War Machine that seemed to have shown up in the Pathfinder. Uh, was it a, a book of creatures? Was it an adventure? Or was it, what What book of Pathfinder did it show up in? Uh, no, not Pathfinder, D&D uh, &D 5e. It, this is uh, Cobalt Press, Tome oh. of Beast 2. Tome of Beast 2, I have Tome They're, of Beast 1. Yeah. Exactly. The second one <laughs> just finished uh, its Kickstarter. Uh, not not the Kickstarter didn't finish. The fulfillment is going through, and so my uh, my TM uh, Nathan he sent me a message and he's like, "LOL, Dragon on the Mount." And he sent me this picture and I'm like, "Cobalt Press," because he just got his book in the mail. <laughs> and I was like, "Cobalt Press, you stole my idea." So for those of you who don't know, Dragon on the Mount was. Uh, my, it's an adventure I wrote, it's a dollar. It's, it was just, so I wrote this adventure because a lot of people at the time were coming to me and saying, how do I get into D&D? Where do I start? How do I know if I like it? And I was mm -hmm. like, you should get, you know, the basic rules and here's a like four hour basic adventure. adventure. Yeah. And it'll have all of the things that I personally think make D&D fun. And so when people are like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, go buy, it's a dollar, there you go. So the entire adventure is that there is a dragon on top of this mountain that is like sending kobolds down to pillage this town and you need to go figure out, you know, the town has used all of their resources to be like, we're either gonna bleed dry or we can use all of our money to give it to these adventurers and the adventurers can go take care of this dragon. So you have to go upstairs, or upstairs, you have to go up the mountain and fight this dragon. Well, the, the plot twist is, and I'm spoilers, but the plot twist is, is that the dragon is actually just a giant, a uh, kobold 
machine that looks like a dragon that they cobble together that breathes fire, but it has like little guys inside of a tank that are controlling it. And it's covered in illusion magic. And that's why it looks like a red dragon. Mm -hmm. uh, so flash forward to, you know, this week and mm -hmm. Kobold Press releases <laughs> Tome of Beast 2 and they have what they called, uh, I think it's called a Kobold War Machine. Kobold War Machine. Yeah. yeah. And it is, it's the exact thing. Three <laughs> kobolds run it. It spits fire. It looks like a dragon. It just doesn't have illusion magic on it. And so... Uh, my my DM and a bunch of my friends are just like, oh, they totally like took you to the cleaners. <laughs> like you need to talk to them. And I, no, and I'm not mad. We're we are just no. joking. <laughs> yeah, uh, just... It is it is a not an original idea. Like kobolds are they're like that. You know they have. Yeah. Well, when I was looking at, it, I thought, okay, I could see how that could come up. It's cool that they have a little war machine that they're running yeah. around, and it makes sense that they're small creatures, so they want to maximize their their ability to, to do damage and stuff, which would be cool. But I thought if they did add illusion magic in that, then I thought, well, maybe they did read your module, but if there's no <laughs> illusion magic on it, I don't, maybe yeah. it's just a happy coincidence that it probably other is. people have had the same idea. <laughs> it probably is, but we'll see. I mean, if anything, they just need to, like all I'm asking for is that they call it like, the the silent ph or they call it the jordan yes. or something that's all you need to do that's all you need and to you do. can see those adventures on i almost want to say both of our channels because we ran friends through that game yeah through that adventure more than once and streamed it i'm pretty sure yeah so i i've ran bad. it i've ran it uh, well i've ran it a lot and you were in it when somebody else ran it for you was that yeah danimal and or? then i ran it for other people yeah yeah um so anyway so pretty it's fun, fun fun adventure it's only a dollar there you go I'm, I'm working on a second one that will never come out because i have no time to write and i get sec i get lost I get uh, is what yeah I, get. <laughs> um, I think it's time for a little bardic inspiration well, give me one uh, yes. more second there it, it is, is time for a bardic inspiration i'm just letting you know right now <laughs> um it is yeah time. uh this is where we talk about things that have inspired us during the week about mm -hmm. the world of Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, surprise, I've been making a lot of Spelljammer content and I've been researching a lot of Spelljammer. And I got the idea of uh, ships as characters. So like mm -hmm. the ship that you're on as a character. And it made me think of uh, like the Millennium Falcon, the Starship Enterprise, uh, or even something that is literally a character. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Farscape. I'm a big, I like Farscape a whole lot. I bunch. have the entire but season. The, yeah, the Leviathan, Moya, uh, is just another character on the ship. And I, or the, the ship is a character on the show, and mm -hmm. I like that. Um, and in Spelljammer, the idea is that you, you enjoy your ship. Uh, enjoy your ship. Let me use my words. Uh, in the world of Spelljammer, you have a ship and you are uh, repairing it, augmenting it, building it up, kind of a thing like that. So it got me thinking like, what if what if you leveled up your ship? What if your ship had levels that grew with you or you got more in tune with it or something or it unlocked magical powers? Um, questions, thoughts, what, how, do you think that would work? Yeah, well, when, like, you, when I saw you break down ships as characters, what immediately I thought was, oh, what if we gave them personalities? Right. Then then they are a character. Right. So mm -hmm. if, if you have a grumpy spell jammer ship or you have a super excited, you know, spell jammer ship or any game that you're playing, whether you're playing, you know, fantasy, sci fi or whatever. Yeah. I think that's an interesting idea of having them be a fun, interactive character or letting a player be that character letting them play oh, yeah. this idea of a sentient ship of some sort that has to interact with a party that, that flies around with it yeah. too. They're, they're part of the group, even though they're also the transports. So and it's almost like a conversation. Kind of, like we want you to go into battle to do this. Well, I don't, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to do that. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we, we need you to, uh, ship. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I like that. That could be fun. Cause that could even be like, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a living thing. What if you just have like a sentient artificial intelligence on your ship? Yeah, you yeah, know? just smart and enough just that it has something. A yeah, uh, I like this idea, and and specifically, a lot of spell jammers are just augmented sailing boats. You know, mm -hmm. like I took a boat in the water and I put a magical helm on it and I cast a couple spells and now I can fly in space. But 
the other side of it, there are a lot of really interesting ships for Spelljammer, and you could do this 100%. And I, I like that idea yeah, of like, definitely. I've got a, a Nautiloid, like a, a Mind Jammer ship, a Mind Jammer, uh, uh, Mind Flare Spelljammer ship, a Nautiloid, where that's like a living thing that you're, you know, talking to and stuff, or mm-hmm. Beholder ships are really interesting, so. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I haven't checked out Burn Bright. Somebody, Victor says it's kind of like Burn Bright ships, which would be cool. So. I've heard of it. That is the Roll20s website. Yeah. They created a role-playing game campaign world and game to go with it called Burn Bright. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked into it. I've only heard of it. It's on yeah. my list of things to look into. Yeah. Celeste Conowich has Very been running cool. games on it. And uh, yeah, uh, James Picasso helped write it. So it's a lot of cool stuff. James. James so. seems to write all kinds of stuff. He is. That man <laughs> writes. <a> workhorse. <laughs> that man writes. I'm yeah. a little jealous of the amount Very of cool. stuff he gets out into the world. It's really cool. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of my idea. And and I think uh, a lot of people are also pointing out Colville's, uh, like, you kind of leveling up with your wizard tower or your, um, I'm trying to think, like, the knights had a keep, I think, every or fighters. Mm-hmm. Like, every every character class had a something. In yeah, in my campaign, we have a yeah. They created a fighter's keep. Yeah. Or they the, they they created a chapel for the paladin. Yes. And our and our druid has started his grove. Yeah, and I like that idea. We had that in. Um, I wasn't too interested in it with my character, but my my Warforged seven. But the wizard was all about it, and so our wizard in that game built a tower. And I think our mm-hmm. warlock, who is a celestial warlock, he opted for the cleric church or temple. Mm-hmm. Um, and the DM let him do that because it was like, I'm more interested in that because I have this, like, I, I'm yeah. a warlock, but I'm, I'm very much in praise of this God deity thing that yeah. he's getting his powers from the celestial. In there, there's so. some cool rules for ones that aren't so, um, like th- that would come to the forefront of your mind if you were thinking of these struggles. Cause they also have the pirate ship in there. Um, there's the barbarian war yeah. camp that can move around and in, in like a nomadic camp mm-hmm. and stuff. So they've got some interesting ones. You could do a tavern. You can do, you know, lots of different things for either your bards or your thieves or something like that. So they had some really cool different options yeah. in there for what you could build. Um, I want a bard Howl's Moving Castle. There you go. That walks around. You could do it. I want it. <laughs> I'm the, like the mortal engine one, ones that rides around. Oh, on yeah. Them. It's London. We're going to chase it down. <laughs> It'd be fun. It'd be fun. Very cool. Uh, really cool. What about you, sir? What was your bardic inspiration? Well, I just, I wrote it in there and just reading it, just the two words, bardic inspiration, the cliff. Where does your mind go? What do you even think at that? Um, well, uh, uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. Not far. Uh, No, I, I think of, uh, Cliff Calvin from Cheers. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't going that direction. (laughs) That's what I first thought of when I saw that. I know that's not what you were going for, but I was instantly like, no, it's the cliff from Cheers. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. The cliff. That's what they Norm. Um, all right. So <laughs> the cliff would be, here's this idea I was having. Um, mm-hmm. What if at the end of, at a part of your map in your world, whatever campaign world you built, um, there's a part where the players get to it or you know anybody can get to it and it's basically a sheer cliff and it just stops. You can't see anything on the horizon. It's just open sky past there. When you look down, you see some clouds and you can't actually see the bottom. Mm-hmm. And they call it the cliff. Everybody calls it the cliff. And what it actually is, is the edge of the world. Ooh. And it goes for thousands and thousands of miles. So think of the length of the United States or whatever big continent you want to grab is the size of the cliff. So you're at the top of it. And even if you were going to walk down and if you had a way to walk down the cliff, it would take you months and months and months before you could ever reach the bottom. Mm-hmm. So the campaign setting would be about well, what happens with this cliff. So I thought there would be really cool thing that you could do with adventuring party. That would be you're hiring them to do one of two things. There's a person who's created a small town there. They're an explorer type and they've hired your party to come in and either Find out what's at the bottom. And we're talking months and months of travel down a sheer cliff. Okay. Or they want to know what's on the other side of the sky there. They want you to go past the horizon, just like you would if you came up to an ocean and you looked out at the ocean and just somebody wants to know what's at the other end of that ocean. This is the same thing. The sky just goes on. We have no idea what's out there. How are we going to get from here across and what's across there? And so 
it's a combination of bringing in a little bit of the elemental plane of air so that you could use, if they take the one that says, we want to find out what's across this open sky as we're sitting at the cliff, and we're going to try to find a way across that, you could really turn it into a, like a plane's air, a, uh, airplane. That seems weird because that's a word we all use. A plane <laughs> of air <laughs> type of adventure. You could use some of the elemental books to give you ideas on like what types of encounters and what types of things would happen when you're in the elemental plane of air and things that you have to keep thinking of. The other thing they could choose is they could go find out what's at the bottom, but we're talking about how are they going to do that? Because you don't have enough rope. doesn't work that way. You can't just say feather fall because that ends at a certain point. You can't even use like a fly spell because that's going to end after a certain point. So anything you have to, you got to have camp. Point. Yeah. You got to, you like, got to stop. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of problems here that I think would be fun to let the, and you don't have to figure any of it out. The, the idea is you let the players try to come up with crazy ideas. Do they try to build an airship that can fly? How do they do that? Do they, they invent an air balloon and they invent some way of propulsion using their cool spells. To me, this would be something that you'd start them off like at a 10th level, mm-hmm. give them a lot of tools to use, a lot of ideas. Would they try to tame something? Because even if you, let's say you say, okay, this is easy. We'll just tame a, uh, a rock. I'll summon a rock and we'll fly down. Well, that summon ends or that rock has to sleep at some point and you're still not finding the bottom. Right. right? So I think that'd be kind of fun how they're going to get down along the cliff face. You could have huge um, caverns that open up that they could explore if they wish, you know, or they could find that they could use for some of their campsites, but other parts, there's just so much sheer cliff. They have to find a way to stay on the side of a cliff where there are no caves, like all these little things that they could think of that could wrap into this adventure and they could choose one of two ways. And I just think that'd be a really fun kind of, if you told them, I'm hiring you to build the very first airship in this magical world. You guys are 10th level characters. You use your abilities and whatever you can think of. I want you to build a vehicle that gets us across the sky. How would you do it? What combination of magic items would you go find? Like, cause we were, the other thing that kind of prompted this was we were playing around with two um, rods of immovable objects. That was just put in the chat. Like people were like, yeah, movable, like so movable rods and rope. That's all you <laughs> so need. So you could do some stuff. So you could do some interesting stuff. So that's the kind of thing that I would let the players have a lot of fun coming up with. Maybe maybe you have a druid in the party and they're all about taming things and maybe they could get some tames and they could do some things. Maybe you have a, uh, um, an artificer in the group and he wants to build something or he wants to come, you know, they want to figure out a way to make a hot air balloon. You just need hot air, right? So can you trap an elemental? Can you keep a perpetual spell going on or some sort? Although at 10th level, it's going to be hard to find something that's perpetual. What do you do when it runs out? You know, those kinds of things. Um, so I was thinking that was kind of cool. Some, some, a really fun way and really think of it. Some people might even do it as a flat world adventure where if you think of your world as flat, but then when you get to the end, it's just this edge of non-stop crust of the world which is you know thousands and thousands of miles long what what would that kind of adventure be like and gravity still works normally so it still pulls straight down for some reason you know throw science out the window for that piece so storms what kind of creatures would would you meet um stuff falling on you as it flies over it flies for as long as it can it can't find anything and then it just is exhausted and dies. So just like in the ocean, there's a lot of creatures that are taking the particles that are falling down in the ocean and eventually rest on the bottom of the the seabed floor. Would you do some of that kind of stuff? Is there something that takes advantage of that? Are there big giant air sharks out there, air behemoth whales? Space whales. So Um, you could do, would you hit space if you went far enough? Is that how your world's going to work? Well, like you could just fly out and hit space or something. How I, I mean, this is a really cool idea. That could be, that's yeah. a whole campaign <laughs> setting yeah. adventure. Um, you, you win uh, Bardic Inspiration for the year. Uh, but if it is a flat world, which is what I was thinking of, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you got to think about things like garbage. Like yeah. they, people have probably been like, I don't know where it goes, but it gets rid of all my trash. And so people are like <laughs> hucking garbage off the side. And so in my mind, there's a point where they're climbing down this wall 
and they get to an area that's just like riddled with trash and like there's weird trash goblins or something that live there and they're catching it they're well yeah they're they're using it and so i i keep thinking like maybe either you hit the bottom or you hit like a middle point Mm -hmm. and then if you get past that gravity has changed and now you're climbing up to get on the underside of this and there's a whole nother world on the other side of the thing like that would be really cool where I don't know, like uh, the the grass is purple on this other side of the world mm-hmm. and like the stars are all different because you're facing the opposite way. Yeah, and how would the sun work on a flat world? You could even maybe even make a little cool thing for yourself and just move a light across a flat box mm-hmm. or something. Maybe it's a square world. Maybe the whole world is square. Yeah, Akron. Or whatever. So you yeah. can play around with a lot of things. And I like the idea that you challenge the players to figure out what to do. You don't even have to think about <laughs> how they're going to do it. You're just like, you're hired to do this. You guys are supposed to be the, you're the smartest people in this land. You're 10th level adventures. You defeated the great dragon of this. You, you stopped the empire from doing this. So we want to hire you to go do this thing. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're our, you're our guys. So I just thought that'd be fun. So I'm glad it, it is evoking a bunch of campaign ideas in you. So hopefully yeah. chat is. Uh, AJ says that a trash goblin is his spirit animal. And if I was going to run this, there would be like elephant sized pandas with raccoon tails that would go digging through the garbage. Nice. I I was thinking one of the encounters I would put in mine was definitely about two days down of somebody who just jumped off time, whatever that is of, you know, like do the math just for me of the velocity that they would reach, how long it would take them and how far they could go at two days. Well, how at much wind resistance? Point, right, exactly. At the two day point, there are a bunch of large webs that have been set up and yeah. platforms that catch things because there's so much stuff that, that just goes off the side and then come, can't find its and way back. big spiders. Yeah. In the spiders, there's a big yeah. spider kingdom down there taking them all in. So I thought that. No, cool. that that's that's a quality idea. So yeah. I don't know. Awesome. Cobalt Press, if you're listening, don't steal, steal that Steal some more. <laughs> don't do it. That one's good. That one's good. Yeah, I'd love to do it. So that is my Bardic Inspiration. I hope all of you have a Bardic Inspiration. Let us know about yours in the comments or add on to what we just said. Yeah. Or tell us about, you know, some really cool idea that you had over the week that inspired you to either make a campaign world or an adventure or some new rule mechanic or some new character. So I love very it. cool. The cliff. The cliff. <laughs> I'm actually gonna write that down in my notes because I He's think like, that's something I like I might this. Want to use. I really, really like this actually. Yeah. Very um, fun. Yeah. The There's a lot cliff. of things you can do with it. Like, how does light work when the sun goes by? How does gravity work and for how far? And um, could you sleep while you're falling? <laughs> that would be an interesting thing. But I like the idea of also just figuring out, okay, we only have, you know, we, we brought a thousand feet of rope. How are we going to reuse it the whole way down? Well, yeah. And how, how, how like, uh, you know, uh, like Christopher Columbus and stuff where like, it was just like, we don't know we where we're going to go, know. you know, but yeah. we're going to go. And I like that. That's kind of, uh, not that I like Christopher Columbus, but I like the idea of just like, we don't know what's yeah. over there, but we just are going to go. We could die. Like it could just be ocean for the rest of our world. This cliff could never end. Like we literally could just be climbing a nobody cliff for the rest of, yeah, nobody, nobody knows. Has ever I like to that. The bottom yeah. and made it back. And you yeah. get to come up with, also, I mean, that's the same as like a, a journey to the center of the earth. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, all of a sudden there's a world on the other side of it. They don't know, you know, dinosaurs. It's cool. So the yeah. trunk of Idrasil, a very good idea. Um, cool. We also play games occasionally. Uh, how is, there. Uh, how's your game of the Mad Mage going? I just bought it. So I'm going to read ahead and I'll give you spoilers. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, if you ever free up a Tuesday, I'm sure Dan would let you come in and maybe play. <gasps> What do I do? Tuesdays are my <laughs> editing nights because I have okay. to. <laughs> I have to have so, to make videos on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. So we're on level three. Um, I don't think it's a big spoiler. I think you hear, you get the rumors, and if you're playing the adventure, you find out from gossip and other people asking you to do things pretty quickly, even before you get there. But it's the level known for Skullport. 
Ranch. Ah, Skullport. Um, maybe Port heard of, of in other stories. I've never got to go there. I've never got to see it. We've not found it, but we're looking around for it. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, we've had some pretty fun fights so far. We're in some big fights, which has been cool on level three. Um, it feels like it's another big map because all we're seeing, we're using dynamic lighting and all that kind of stuff. So we mm-hmm. don't, we never know how big a level is actually going to be yet. Um, and I think it's been really fun so far that our characters are really kind of starting to gel together. We're a very tough adventuring party. Um, we have got some real min-maxers going on in our party. Um, the Arcane Archer is working phenomenally. Maybe too good. I'm still waiting for the hammer to drop on that. Um, but now some of the other character classes are starting to to really come into synergy too. So our DM yeah. is having to really throw some stuff at us. And I'm positive. I think he's even said it, but I'm positive he's having to add things in to balance it enough to actually even be a challenge for some of the things we're doing with our characters and, and some of the builds that we've got going on. We've got a bigger party, so that that definitely adds to it. Um, I I had a lot of fun using the expert. So we've got a Kenku that I've hired as a henchman. Oh, and um, he's our expert. So he's he's done some really cool stuff. And what I've used him for is like, he one of his abilities is as a bonus action, he can do the help action. Okay. So I've been using him to run up and um, distract an opponent that we want to give somebody else advantage on the next attack for. So he'll he'll run up with, use his action like dodge and then get in there and then try to mess with them enough that the next person that attacks him gets a good hit on him. And that's kind of working out cool. He's got his crossbow when he wants to fire off. So it's, it's cool to use that character in a few different ways and, and plan it out, not just be, I'm not just using it for extra damage or something, but it's mm-hmm. more like there's some cool things that we can do with it. And uh, Dungeon Master is giving it a personality. He's using um, pop culture show references as the voice. So he's doing all <laughs> kinds of funny lines from movies that he does. That's the way he communicates with us which is pretty fun. I think the group's going to enjoy that as that goes on and on. Um, and it's just fun to see, you know, the, the war forged fighter who's just now turned barbarian echo Knight. who, when he turned, when he rages now, his echo Knight has changed and his echo looks different. And he's using a voice synthesizer when he goes, uh, when he goes um, in rage. So that's been a cool, fun thing. We've Activate had, you know, everybody's doing some, yeah, everybody's been doing some really fun things with their, we've got a, a forge cleric that screams to make stuff. So, you know, he's just a really funny dwarf character. It's a really fun show to watch on Tuesday nights and it's been really good. We're at level three. I'm enjoying Dungeon the Madge Mage. Not tired of it yet. I know other people get tired of maybe just full on dungeon crawl, but for me, I'm still loving dungeon crawling and just, you know, going from tunnel to yeah. tunnel, room to room and finding crazy stuff and good treasure and that yeah. kind of stuff. So I would say the found treasure so far has been lacking, but I've always noticed that in Wizards of the Coast adventures, I'm not sure that a lot of their fifth edition adventures, even at Tomb of Annihilation, it wasn't towards the end until we started getting some really good stuff. Um, I feel like it's their cool stuff and cool treasure that you get has been pretty light but you know we're only on the third level of what 26 plus levels of Mm -hmm. dungeon of the mad mage so i'm sure it probably gets better later on Um, we are using the downtime rules where you can attempt to find magic items in Waterdeep. so that is how we've been able to supplement our party with lower level com uncommons or common magic items to supplement some of the things we're doing but um cool it's been fun yeah, uh, Skullport's really interesting. Um, and I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I haven't actually done like a just a Skullport video, and I probably should at some point. But uh-huh. my, uh, I just want to say my favorite piece of Skullport like trivia that I have is, uh, and this is, I don't think this is in Dungeon of the Mad Mage, but because hmm. it's 1370 DR is, is older. older. But uh, there's a really cool artifact called the Crown of Horns. Um, mm-hmm. that is a Merkel artifact, the God of the Dead. And if you wear it for too long, you turn into a lich. It like siphons your soul and becomes your phylactery. And there's a Yuanti that is in possession of the crown of horns and he like lives and in, in haunts around Skullport. And nice. I just love this like, this lich Yuanti with this cool crown, like 
walking around, slithering around. I don't know, like whatever mm -hmm. he looks like. But um, yeah, so if you run into that or, you know. I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, Danimal, that's for free. You should put him yeah, in. Yeah, there so. you go. <laughs> so what about Jordan's games? You got? I left you a minute. One minute. Uh, sadly, well, not sadly. I had a lot of fun. We, we, we played my kids on bikes game. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'll talk about this more later or, or something or because we, we ran out of time, but, uh, it was one of those games where it went in none of the directions I anticipated. And I remember while we were playing, I'm just like, how do I get them to do this? Like, this is so frustrating. And I, we were having fun, but like, you know, you have that that hamster running constantly in your head being like, I don't know how to, how do I fix this? Like, they're not, they're not here. They're supposed to be here. And midway through the game, I just kind of like, you should do what they think the problem is and you should do what they need to do this. <laughs> yeah. And so I had this idea that this evil, uh, uh, like warlock principle was going to take the souls of children mm -hmm. And in their mind, they're like the principal it's still the same villain, but like in their mind, the principal is going to cause a time explosion. And that's what they thought was happening and that he was ruining time. And so midway through the game, I was like, no, that's okay. That's what he's doing. He's ruining time. Yeah. I don't know why, but we're going to figure this out. And so it was an important lesson to be reminded of that you, that as a DM, sometimes you just have to be like, Yes, players, you're right. Because rather than trying to get them to play the game I intended, they mm -hmm. were very excited about stopping this time explosion. And yeah. so I added on to it. So things were disappearing uh, from the past or from the present going backwards, they were disappearing. So they, for example, they took a picture of a couch and then the couch was gone in their present state, but they looked at the picture and it was like slowly fading. So the idea mm -hmm. is that it was fading backwards in time, but in the present it was gone. And this was happening to people. Uh, and so then I said, not only is are things disappearing going backwards, but like time is going backwards, moving forward. So they started on like a Friday night and then it, all of a sudden it was Saturday night <laughs> and they're just like, how did it become Saturday? And I'm like, time explosion, got to <laughs> figure it out. Uh, mm -hmm. So they ended up running and saving the day and there was a big fight at the end uh, against like the principal and his evil warlocks and uh, it was fun. So that yeah. that's going to come out um, towards Halloween and I'm working on the audio and I'm going to put it here on this channel and I will also release it as audio on my Patreon. Uh, but if you guys want to listen to uh, a Kids on Bikes Halloween episode, but it was a lot of fun. And the first time that we were actually able to play at our table uh, since moving nice. into the new house, which was really cool. So yeah. yeah, never underestimate the imagination of the players. I had that exact thing happen where I had a, a bad guy was doing something and I created like seven clues yeah. to help them find the bad guy. They found the seven clues. And as they're talking amongst each other, they came up with how these seven clues came together and it led to a different bad guy, different plan, different yeah. everything. But their thing was cooler so I was just like, okay, my bad guy's gone. Mine's stupid. I'm going to use theirs because their imagination was way better on what was going on. I was like, okay, I'm going to lean into yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, but so you you cool. get so, I, I guess I do. Because you hear um, what they're thinking. They're talking to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and I was like, I paid attention, but it was one of those yeah. things where I'm like, but this isn't what I wrote. And I kept thinking <laughs> that in my head. And when I finally let that go, I yeah. had more fun. The players really enjoyed it. We finished the game. They were like, that was great. Like they really did have a great time. And I was like, and I was talking to my wife afterwards and I'm like, that's RPGs. I don't know why yeah. I was so stuck on like, they have to do this because at the end of the day, that's why I love RPGs is because <laughs> of the, the unexpected the col collaboration and just like, yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen, you know? And mm. systems that I've ran uh, or games that I've ran, Hot Springs Island reminded me the most of this, where yeah. they, my players created this whole narrative where they had to, they had to side with the orcs to stop the evil elementals from invading the island. None of that is really in the book, but like they made choices and I went with it and we had a huge battle of yeah. all of the salamanders versus the orcs and it was really cool. Uh, and so, I don't know, like that's, that's RPGs. That's why it's cool. Yeah. That's why it's different. I think that's, 
how as a dungeon master you get to play when you let that oh, happen, yeah, yeah. That happens. It that's when you get to also be the player. If you let go enough, that's how you get to that's the fun for you. If you try to hold on too tight, you're not one of the players. Like you're just, you know, you're like mm. a narrator and they're doing and they're watching your movie. But the minute you let go and the minute you just let it kind of flow around, you're a player too at that point. Cause you yeah. don't know what's happening. Yeah. You just are running with it. You're improvising and you're, you know, I love it. Love it a lot. Uh, super fun. That good conversation today, sir. Uh, everybody, that is our show. Uh, thank you so hey, much you, for joining us. I got us. a safety tip for everybody. When you have something wrong with your eye and it bugs you for two months in a row, oh. you go to a doctor and you ask them and they say, hey, just maybe put a warm compress on it because there's a little bump under your eyelid and then it'll go away. Listen, and it worked fine. Oh. I've had, had a problem now from the day they told me to do that. So instead of waiting for two months to get that just Try that uh, warm compress er early. Yeah, that works out <laughs> really well. just go to your doctor and have them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm glad you're feeling I'm better, done. sir. Yes. <laughs> uh, that is our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for liking, subscribing, uh, rating us on iTunes, all that other good stuff, telling your friends about the show. We're really excited to be here. Uh, next week will be Birthday Spectacular. Um, I don't know what we'll do. I'll I'll probably have some cake and a mimosa or something. Who knows? Mm. Uh, but yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, anything else before we take off, sir? That is it. Take us away. All right. Take care, everybody. We will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning d, &D Show. Goodbye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.